So God, as we open up these, these ancient words that are ever so true, God, we pray that you would speak to us. We pray that we would hear them again for the first time, Lord, that they would fall afresh on our hearts. God, that by your gospel, you would transform us now. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. So follow along with me. We're going to go 20, verse 11 to 18. Let's hear the good news of God's word. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stood, stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our God endures forever. And thank God for that. July 20th, 1969, 10.56 p.m. Millions of people around the world gathered with neighbors and friends and family to watch history unfold for the first time. Do you remember the date? After a decade of trial and error, Neil Armstrong walked out of the lunar module and for the first time in history set foot on the moon. Neil said he was so caught up in all the details of the day, he hadn't really thought exactly of, about what he was going to say. So instead of giving some eloquent speech or some perfected phrase, he just kind of gave a basic play-by-play. -play. One small step for man, say it with me, one giant leap for mankind. We know it. So you think about it, Neil could have said anything in that moment, right? It didn't really matter. Those words are now etched in history. The occasion was so monumental that no matter what he said, really, you knew it was going to be instantaneously permanent. Next day on the front page of every newspaper, in every language from every nation, his words would have been penned in ink forever. You ever wondered... What would have happened had Neil have tripped off that ladder, though? What other words might have went down in history? Oh, but it all went to plan, didn't it? One small step, one giant leap. See, there's something about a, a man's first words in the midst of an event that's that historic that has staying power. When you hear that inaugural phrase in the midst of something so momentous, it, it sticks with you, doesn't it? So we open up this morning then to the resurrection, right? This is the, the hinge point of redemptive history, the most momentous occasion in the world. 
And I thought maybe for our time this morning, it would be worth us looking again at Jesus' first words. The risen Lord is standing before his beloved, this woman named Mary. And all of creation would have been waiting with this pregnant anticipation, right? Holding its breath for what Jesus would say next. Just before our lesson, we're told how Mary Magdalene had come. It was the first day of the week. Remember, this isn't Jesus' mother. This is Mary of Magdala. She was, she was the woman who had been saved from demonic torment years prior. And from that day forward, Mary was sold out for Jesus. Wherever Jesus went, Mary was sure to go. But now, now that same Mary watched as they hung Jesus from that cross. She witnessed firsthand now his own torment as he endured unimaginable pain and suffering. And as she looked at Jesus hanging his head, the skies went dark and then they buried him in the tomb. So now it's pre-dawn of this Sunday morning. Mary has come to pay her respects to this man she so loved. And as she enters into that grave, to her horror, she sees the stone has been rolled away. See, you and I, we rejoice at that because we know what that means. We have hindsight, but remember, Mary had no idea what this meant. So with her heartbeat now racing and her stomach twisted up in knots, she sprints back to Peter, we're told, and the other disciple. And look at what she tells them. Look at this in verse 2. She says, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We have no idea where he is. Think of the anxiety in that moment. So now with the same sort of panic, Peter and this other disciple, they have this foot race to see this for themselves back to the tomb. John's gospel tells us when they got there, they stooped in and, and just like Mary said, the tomb was empty, just a, a pile of linens laying where Jesus' head once was. You would think with all that this poor woman had been through, at least one of the two men would have stopped to console her, but they don't. Right before our passage, we're told they sprinted back home. And there stood Mary. Just as the, the sun was making its way over the hill, these tears pouring down, she's weeping over the grave. You ever been in that place? You don't have to walk this life long before. I think we all are familiar with that graveside. I've seen it firsthand. A young mom who lost her son to a drunk driver. A wife who thought she'd be married long into retirement. A daughter who loses her father far too early in life. Newborn who never made it out of NICU. We know the scene. But Mary stoops in, right? She needs to know where they put Jesus. But instead of, of seeing linens, this time she sees two angels. And she must not have recognized them because she talks with them as though they're, they're human, right? They ask her, why are you weeping? And with this dread, she responds, they, they've taken him. I have no idea where he is. See, Mary didn't know who. She didn't know where. And she certainly had no idea why. All she knew was that somehow her Lord was gone. Just about the time, though, that 
Mary's life hits an all-time low and everything seems to have fallen to pieces. What happens? She turns around and who does she find but the risen king? You know, if Neil Armstrong made history with that step, we should acknowledge that pales in comparison to this, right? And yet we seldom think about the words. Look again in verse 15. First words from Jesus' lips. He says, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Why are you crying? Who is it that you've come to find? One of the hardest days of my life was the day that I buried my mentor in the faith. His name was Dean Pogue. Dean and I served a church together for seven years, and you know they say everyone needs a pastor. Um, Dean was certainly mine. Taught me most of what I know. And I always remember the day that I walked into the church kitchen and all the lights were off and I flipped them back on and he was sitting by himself at the other side of the room near the refrigerator. I said to him, what are you doing? He said, I'm praying. I kind of laughed. I said, in the kitchen in the dark? He said, Ryan, we need to talk. And as I sat down next to him, he, he told me how he had just been diagnosed with cancer. It was terminal. I manned up in the moment, right? Stood strong. We'd been through many battles together. But I have to admit, I, I went home that afternoon and I wept the first of many tears. Just think about the last time you truly lost it. I don't mean like um, weepy at the movie theater kind of lost it. I mean, go back to the last time where, like Mary, the tears were flooding down your face with raw emotion. Where grief hit you so hard, you didn't care who was in the room or what they saw or thought. Why were you crying? What was it that, that brought about those tears in you? You know, I think our weeping, it reminds us not only of our love for someone, but also through those tears, I think we're also pointed to this reality of an injustice in the world. You know, we cry for many things, but the, the pinnacle of human emotion, the, the deepest kind of grief that we bear inside, the, the hardest tears that we shed every time, it comes from this injustice called death. The fact is, we can't talk about Easter without talking about death. Death is the reason Jesus came, right? Death is that which entered the world by one man's sin back in the Garden of Eden. It has since then, ever since then, been the destroyer of life. It is the enemy of our people. It is the one aspect of this life that no one ever wants to talk about, but all of us know is coming. See, this Easter story, it begins with this woman named Mary who's now immersed in it. She's come to weep at her loved one's graveside. She's come alone in the dark. She's barely keeping it together. But thank God that's not how the story ends. She's suddenly faced with this man she doesn't even recognize. And of all the things that could come out of this man's mouth, the first thing Jesus wants to know, the first words in that empty tomb are, why are you weeping? It's an interesting question, right? Because tears are a good thing. We know this. I mean, there's a story that, that tells us all about this where, where just before this, weeks before this, Jesus himself had gone to the grave of Lazarus. You'll remember in John 11. 
And remember, Lazarus was a, a good friend of Christ. And even though Jesus knew that he was going to raise him from the dead, as he gathered up with all of Lazarus' people, he sobbed with them. The shortest phrase in the entire New Testament, Jesus wept. Why did he weep? He wept because he loved him, right? He wept because Jesus hates death more than we do. But now it's Easter morning, different context. And here's Mary, she's standing before the risen Lord, the most pivotal encounter in history. And the first words off his lips almost come off as a mild rebuke, don't they? He says, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you weeping, Mary? Who is it that you've come to see? See, it's clear by Jesus' question, Mary has not come to see the risen Christ. She's not here in her Easter hat and her pastel dress. She's not come for the victory lap. No, no, no. She's come for the dead Christ. She's come to weep over his body, to bring spices for the burial. I mean, this is pure defeat, right? She's come to grieve, to be near the grave of her loved one. And let's be fair to her. It's been three days. Part of Friday, all day Saturday, Sunday morning. What else would you expect? No, Mary fully anticipates a lifeless cold body. She's not just weeping because she loved him. She's crying. She's traumatized because she lost him. One of the most moving films I've ever watched was a movie called Taking Chance. Anybody seen that? Put it in your repertoire. It's a story about a lieutenant colonel who accompanies the remains of Lance Corporal Chance Phelps to his final resting place after dying in the Iraq war. And in every scene of that movie, it's interesting, you see these tears of people who have never met Chance before. In the airport, along the road, they're holding flags. By the end of the film, you realize this man's death has touched an entire nation, right? It's not until the final scene... Um, where you hear taps and you watch this lieutenant colonel salute and right as he lets his guard down, then the tears come rolling. See, the one common denominator in all of humanity, right, that all sane human beings have to agree on is our absolute hatred of death. We despise it. We know it's not right. You can go to a war and what do all the soldiers agree on on both sides? No one wants to die. See, and yet at the sight of this grave, Mary is so caught up in the moment, she can't see through her own tears. I mean, she's furious. I love that you can get a little mild humor here. She thinks Jesus is the gardener. Verse 15, look at this. She said, look, if you're the one who took him, you give him back right now. <laughs> Ever had to make that phone call that nobody wants to make? One of the first ways that we lay down the bad news, we lost Johnny. We lost him. You lost him? See, this isn't a euphemism, though. Mary has literally lost Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are. Death is a universal problem for every human being on this planet. It has to be dealt with. There's no escaping it. Yet you and I know we're not here for death this morning, are we? 
Can I get an amen? Here's the good news of Easter, right? Easter reminds us that in Christ, death has been destroyed, eradicated, gone forever. Easter reminds us that on that first day, just when Mary hit rock bottom, in her utter hopelessness, in the depth of despair, she looks up and there stands victory, staring at her in the face. And note this. This is my favorite part. Jesus calls her by name. He says, Mary. She sees him for the first time when he says that word, Mary. She responds with this, teacher. I imagine it being like Jesus wiping the tears off this woman's face, holding her to his chest as he's cling, she's clinging to his side. She, he calls this child by name, right? And when he does, that's when she finds out death is gone. Which tells us something. It tells us there's power in a name. As a parent, I've learned there's even more power if you throw in the middle name too. No, Jesus says Mary, right? And in that nanosecond, Mary's faith comes alive. With one word, just one name, Mary now sees death has lost the war. And rightly so, Jesus said in John 10, the good shepherd knows his sheep, and he calls them by what? Their name. The sheep know his voice, and they follow him. See, Mary's clinging to Jesus now. She won't let go. And again, I think that embrace teaches us something really important. Don't miss this. This risen Christ, it's not some novel idea, right? The, the resurrection is not some happy fairy tale. When Jesus rose, he did so bodily and perfectly with witnesses for the world to see. As one scholar pointed out, he said, if you read all the eyewitness accounts of that week, over and over, you find Jesus is bearing his wounds for people to see. He's embracing his disciples as they can touch him. He's allowing them to feel his side. He's making them breakfast. He's eating breakfast. And can I just say, thank God for that? Man, thank God that the, the Jesus Mary came to see is nothing like the Jesus she encounters. Why are you crying? Who have you come to see? Recently found out about a a really neat app for the iPhone called Be My Eyes. Have you heard of this? Be My Eyes. It's a nonprofit that connects blind people with sighted volunteers who can help them see things through video chat. One example that they offer is of a young man who was ready for some cereal. Um, he was blind, but he wasn't sure if his milk was good. So he went to the app and he asked a stranger to read him the expiration date. And after a brief pause, they became best friends because his new buddy told him, I wouldn't drink that if I were you. It's crazy to me how this, 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 this plays out, right? The evidence of the resurrection is standing right in front of Mary. The risen Lord is directly in front of her, speaking to her. He's asking her poignant questions, but she can't see him. She's blind. She's so caught up in her own narrative of death and loss and defeat that she's forgotten. She's forgotten what Jesus had taught her in the first place. Can we just do a quick sight check for a minute? I think it would be worth our time to pause and to think about these two questions for ourselves. Like if that was the first thing out of Jesus' mouth, right? Maybe we should ask it as though the risen Lord is standing before us this morning. 
First, what is it that you weep over? What's been weighing on you and why? Where do you feel powerless or defeated like Mary? Where have you been laying down the victim card? What has gripped you to the point of of tears and maybe anxiety and despair recently? I'll say this, it might even be death itself. In between services this morning, I found one of our loved ones died and went and visited him. This is not a rhetorical question. Think about it with me. What is it that you weep over? Grab hold of it in your mind. And now here's the second question. Who have you come to see this morning? Do you realize that just with a name, with one word, this woman who was once blind in her tears now sees clear as day the the power and majesty and victory of Jesus Christ standing before. Do you see that? Just catch the irony here. Mary is distraught. She's convinced she's lost Jesus. Game over. Hopeless, helpless. And yet all the while, Jesus wasn't lost. He was pursuing his loss. And just when Mary hits the bottom of the barrel, in God's mercy, he calls her by name. And now Mary's life is never the same. Do you know that we follow a risen Lord who calls you by name? In the words of the late R.C. Sproul, I, I don't believe there's a maverick molecule in this universe. There is no such thing as luck. There's only divine providence. And if you believe in that, if you buy into that with me, then then hear me out. If that's true, there is no mistake that you are here this morning. Whether you come because um, that's what we do on Easter or maybe mom pulled you by the collar. Will you just ask those two questions with me? What if everything you are searching for, what if all of your pain and all of your trouble, all the tears in your life, what if it was all actually pointing you to the risen Lord who's standing right in front of you? You just don't see him yet. Jesus took the cross. He conquered the grave, right? So that you and I, we could even stare at death right in the face and we could laugh. That's all you got? You know, one thing that I've learned about the risen Christ is that no matter who he meets, as soon as they hear him, they are never the same. You ever seen that? Seen that transformation in someone's life? They are never the same again. Even the the darkest moments are now flooded with light. Even, Even in the tears, there is still joy and rejoicing. Look at this in verse 18. I want you to see Mary's response. Mary Magdalene went immediately and announced to the others, I have seen the Lord. See, that's why it's called good news. Because once you experience it, you can't keep it for yourself. What have you been weeping over? Who did you come to see this morning? See, friends, today is not just a day where we look back at the power of the resurrection. It's also a day where we look forward and ahead as resurrection people now. Where we remember Easter is really just the beginning book of Revelation points us to a day where at the return of the Lord, and I quote, he will wipe away every tear from your eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for all the former things have passed away. And we'll be asked the question, why are you weeping? 
See, here's my invitation. Whatever hopelessness or sorrow that you've been waiting in, whatever darkness that has gripped your heart, would you just leave the grave clothes behind this morning and allow God to call you by name from the empty tomb and let that resurrection light change your life so that all together as God's people, we can join the millions around the world and say, where, oh death, is your victory? Where, oh death, is your sting? I'm gonna rejoice always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. And let's ask God to help us. Let that change our lives. Will you pray with me? God, we can all relate to the bottom of the J. We've all been there once or twice, maybe even now, where we find ourselves despondent, hopeless, struggling, lost, wandering. So God, I just pray you would help us to hear our name this morning. God, I pray that we would turn to you and say again, teacher, Lord, Savior, King. God, I ask for anyone who's in this room who has never considered what it is to walk that path of, of light, God, that you would wash over them or that they would turn to you. God, we pray that you would make us a resurrection people, that it would not just be on Sunday, or geez, God forbid, on Easter Sunday alone, Lord, but that we would change our lifestyles, basking in the glow of the resurrection hope that we have in you. God, help us to soak that in. In Jesus' name, all God's people say, amen.